Good morning and welcome. I'm Chris Johnson, your prayer practitioner in service today. And I'd like to invite you to pray with me. As we fully arrive in this place, relax, settled in, and open our hearts and our minds and our souls to the presence of Spirit. Spirit is in this place. It's within the walls, it's within the building, but it's mostly within each heart <coughs> who has come here today. Meister Eckhart said, the longing for God is God. And so we come together in beloved community to continue our search for God together, knowing that as we do so, we go deeper, we go farther, and spirit is revealed in new and powerful ways. So that is what this Taze service this morning is about. It's about contacting that spirit within us, that spirit that's all around us, and that spirit that knows our soul intimately. And so with a grateful heart, I just let this time together unfold perfectly, powerfully, lovingly, joyfully, and powerfully. And so with a grateful heart, I just let go and let the unseen hand guide us. And together we say, and so it is. Amen. Good morning. So good to see everybody out and about this morning. I welcome you. If you are new with us online this morning, my name is Reverend Diana Johnson. I'm the pastor and spiritual director of Mystic Heart Spiritual Center. We're an interfaith community that teaches universal principles and practical spirituality. And I'd like to welcome you home to our community should you choose it for yourself. And I'd like to welcome you home to the grace and the wisdom of your own mystic heart. So this morning we're going to center our teze, our reflections and contemplations on tending the soul. We begin our meditative journey this morning by joining our voices, deepening our intimate connection in spirit. And we have with us Dalton leading all the music this morning.
Are we listening for intuitive guidance in our daily lives? Are we using the insights we are given to change direction or behavior? It is so easy to allow ourselves to be distracted from the inner life. Every moment offers opportunities to place our focus elsewhere. We can become so busy with the doing that we lose track of the being. While I believe that we are here to do things, to grow our human capacities, improve our relationships, care for our material surroundings, and serve others. What matters is our state of being as we do these things. <clears throat> Questions that I use to check in with my state of being. Am I getting enough rest? Am I engaging with too many activities or people? Expecting too much of myself? What is my motivation for doing the things I do? Am I nourishing my physical body with healthy food? Do I honor my body with healthy movement each day? Do I spend time in nature? Take time to notice the beauty that surrounds me? In short, how am I feeling about what I am doing and who I am being? We are self-reflective beings. We have the capacity to think, plan, analyze, and choose. And also to reflect upon our own thoughts and choices. We're able to listen to how we are feeling about ourselves and our lives and to choose again where needed. But do we honor ourselves enough to take the time for reflection? We have the capacity to ask for guidance from life itself, from great spirit, from the infinite intelligence of the universe and to listen for answers. But do we slow down long enough, become humble in our asking and listen for a higher wisdom than our own? This is tending the soul.
What is the soul? Like all spiritual truth, what the soul is cannot be clearly expressed in words. Reverend John Ortberg defines it as the eeriest, most mysterious, most evocative, crucial, sacred, eternal, life-directing, fragile, but indestructible, and nowadays, quite controversial part of your existence. Pastor and author Dallas Willard once said, you're a soul made by God, made for God, and made to need God. What is running your life at any given moment is your soul, not external circumstances, not your thoughts, not your intentions, not even your feelings, but your soul. The soul will tell us what it needs if we listen. But how do we contact it? Parker J. Palmer tells us, the soul is like a wild animal, tough, resilient, savvy, self-sufficient, and yet exceedingly shy. If we want to see a wild animal, the last thing we should do is to go crashing through the woods, shouting for the creature to come out. But if we are willing to walk quietly into the woods and sit silently for an hour or two at the base of a tree, the creature we are waiting for may well emerge. And out of the corner of an eye, we will catch a glimpse of the precious wildness we see. As we share these moments of sacred silence, let us enter the forest within and sit at the base of a tree in quiet anticipation, ever alert, never grasping, and our shy soul will reveal itself to us. When it does, gently invite it to share its needs with you, its deepest desires for you, its purpose for incarnating as you in this point in time. Then listen deeply. Don't rush it. Don't let thoughts interrupt it. Simply wait in patient expectancy. And when it does speak, heed its call.
allowing the music to guide us gently out of the forest, back into the here and now. We give thanks for this time of blessed communion with our soul, immersed in the love and support of our beloved community. We accept our newfound insights with profound gratitude. And we express this gratitude by continuing and sustaining our divine dialogue with the soul. By committing ourselves to a regular practice of checking in with ourselves at the deepest level. And we allow ourselves to be guided and even changed by all that the soul reveals to us. As Keze continues, we open our heart, our mind, and our soul to ever greater inspiration and to Reverend Diana's encouragement to faithfully continue ending the soul. The soul is our unique expression of the divine in human form. It gives us our distinct qualities, characteristics, and gifts so that we can share them with the world. It is our soul's purpose in this lifetime to pour out our gift, to give unconditionally, to live wholeheartedly. Now the question becomes, what do I have to offer? What are my unique gifts? How will my self-givingness take form in the world? The first step in answering these questions is to first ask, what do I love? St. Thomas Aquinas suggested that the things that we love tell us what we are. Where we are full hearted in our lives, we are deeply engaged, responsible, reliable, and committed. That makes it pretty easy to discover where your own full-heartedness lies. Where are you fully involved in manifesting what has heart and meaning for you? It can be anything. Take a moment and look within yourself. Where do you willingly spend your free time? What kinds of activities make time disappear and move you into a flow that leaves you feeling peaceful 
and contented. I would bet that each of us can name at least one or two things that bring a sense of wholehearted or full-hearted living. These are ways of tending the soul. I'm sure we've all heard this quote by Howard Thurman. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. So what is it that makes you come alive? I'll bet you can guess what some of mine are. <laughs> Studying, writing, teaching, singing, dancing, gardening, cooking, walking barefoot in the dirt. <laughs> Next question. How much of your time do you give to these pursuits? to these activities? Is it enough? Or do you cheat yourself and the world of your gifts? How are you doing with tending the soul? We'll take these questions and more into our conscious conversation later this morning. But I invite you to carry them with you as well into the week. What is it that makes you come alive? Do you give enough time to these pursuits? Are you cheating yourself and the world of your gifts? Take a moment to close our Teze in prayer. Join me in knowing that right here in this holy moment, I am tending my soul. I am taking the time to remember who and whose I am. to remember that there is one source, one life, and that I am an integral part of that one. I am here on purpose, a perfect expression of the divine, uniquely made so that my soul might continue along its amazing journey. And so that I might share my gifts with other souls that cross my path. This life is so much bigger than we realize. There is so much more going on than our human senses can perceive. 
So I choose to consciously place my faith in the goodness of life, in the perfection of all that is unfolding, and in the grace of the one I call God. As I make this conscious choice from a place of spiritual power and authority, my life reflects goodness back to me. I have absolute faith that my powerful word is creative and is moving into form and experience right here and right now for each one listening. And so I can release it fully and completely. And I do, to the loving, lawful presence, calling it done. And so it is. So it is. Amen. Amen. Saku. Saku. Ashe. Ashe. Coming back into our space, we open our eyes. As we feel ready, we open our hearts, look around, all of the beautiful souls here with us this morning, our spiritual family, support system for us in good times and in difficult times, all that care. So as we close our Tese this morning, we offer the opportunity for you to share your financial abundance and good in the world with us to support the work that we're doing. Well, our work is growing and expanding by leaps and bounds right now. So if you choose to share with us, if you're online, you can go to mysticheart.org, find a donate button or a mailing address. And for every gift that is offered to Mystic Heart, we give deep and profound thanks, whether it is a financial gift or your gift of love and support, um, your gifts of time, you do so many things to help support the community. None of it is unnoticed. All of it is appreciated. We say thank you. Say thank you for every gift given this day and every day. Thank you for the one life, the one spirit that bears all gifts and that receives all gifts. And so it is. So as we prepare to do our closing song, I just remind you that our donations today, if you stay for lunch or any of your coffee donations are going to Barber's Footprint. Um, and we have plants again, still. I'm, I have to empty my greenhouse by my vacation time. So here they are. So I've added some bush beans and some squashes and some different things that are ready. So feel free if you want plants to take them. And um, we'll go ahead and do our, oh, may your soul always, sorry. I didn't put this song on his list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> May your soul always find what a 
Thank you so much. You're welcome to come back at 10.30 if you'd like. Bring some coffee and we'll have a conversation. All right. Conversation implies participation, right? And there's only one of me. So I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need you to stand up if you feel comfortable doing so. Stretch on out, there's plenty of room. Establish some space around this. Sing along with me. Welcome to Mystic Heart. Join the celebration. Lift your voice and sing your part. Make this affirmation. Your spirit made us family. Loving hearts to share. And together we are joyful.
joyful sound Here we stand on holy ground Let us make a joyful sound Here we stand on holy ground Let us make a joyful sound Yeah, everybody Get up on your feet See the light Everybody Please join me in our reopening prayer as we know together that Spirit has given us this amazing, beautiful day and this blessed time together in which we join in beloved community as we nourish our soul in all ways spiritual. I give thanks for each one here for the gifts that each one brings. I know that everyone participates in the perfect manner, sharing what they have to share, receiving what they came here to receive. And I know it unfolds perfectly, powerfully, joyfully, lovingly, and to the highest good for all concerned. So I just let it be so, I get myself out of the way, I let go, I let God, knowing that it unfolds perfectly. And so it is. Thank you, Chris, for opening this space. Dalton, for opening the space. Joy. Uplifting energy as we all come together. I want to say good morning and welcome. If you are new here with us today or new online, my name is Reverend Diana Johnson. I'm the pastor and spiritual director for Mystic Heart Spiritual Center. And we are an independent interfaith organization. We teach universal principles and practical spirituality. And we welcome all from all traditions, from no tradition. All are welcome here. So thanks for being here with us this morning. This morning, we center our gathering on tending the soul. We began that journey in Taze, and we're going to continue it in our conversation today. But before we jump into our conversation, we're going to invite the felt presence of spirit as if we're not already feeling it from all that music. That prayer. Inviting that felt presence into our bodies, however that works for you, just experiencing the energy, the light, whether it's the breath, whether it's a vibration or a warmth just a felt sense. As we join in our sacred practice of envisioning a love-soaked world, where all humans are embodying and living from peace, from joy, from abundance, from generosity and justice and freedom as living principles that guide our lives. Practicing kindness and compassion Honoring and caring for one another and for our sacred mother. We're creating a world where all needs are met. Where all beings have plenty of nourishing food. Safety of a warm and comfortable home. Where mental and physical health, education and healthy relationships are ensured by social systems grounded in wellness 
and wholeness. Yes. Yes. Where right livelihood, creative contribution, and a sense of belonging are accepted as gifts of the spirit and are enjoyed by all. A world in which all beings are valued and respected for their inherent goodness and light. Where the peace we cultivate within us shows up around us as a world free of hatred or violence. Amen. We're creating a world that knows no greed, where there is absolute abundance in having enough. Where every being deserves and receives all that is needed for a full and rich and contented life. By the power of our collective intention, we are writing a new story. We create a world that works for all beings. We do not lower our vision, no matter the appearances in the world, knowing with our whole hearts that such a world is not only possible, but it is inevitable. Yes. As one by one, each of us aligns our actions to support our vision. It is coming into form and experience now. And we trust that this prayer is a creative act and it's graceful unfolding. We open our hearts, we open our door, we open our arms in radical welcome, erasing all lines of apparent separation. In keeping with our vision, we create an open and loving community to which all are invited and in which all have an equal voice. Trusting in the power of prayer, we say, thank you, spirit, letting it go, <laughs> letting it be, and so it is. Welcome and bring in everyone in that letting it be. Let's take a moment, take a peek around. Some left, some came. Many took plants already, which was a good thing. Take a moment to really see one another. Feels good to be seen. Sometimes it's hard to see. So if you were with us at Taze this morning, you know that we've been looking at tending the soul. And for those who weren't here, we defined the soul as the immaterial aspect or the spirit that animates the human form, that takes human form and lives as human form. The invisible, immeasurable essence that makes us who we are. We contemplated the belief that exists in many traditions that each soul is on a journey, that it travels from lifetime to lifetime, taking form again and again, adapting and changing and growing by its experience. That the soul's development is responsible for the inherent qualities that we bring with us at birth. No two babies are the same. We all come here with some things in place. 
we looked at this idea that maybe the soul is on following along a continuum of spiritual development, coming to know itself more and more as the divinity that it is as it goes. Some would say coming that closer and closer to its source, closer and closer to God. We reflected on our individuality and the unique gifts that each one of us bring. And the idea that maybe we're meant, we're given these gifts because we're meant to offer them in the world. That's what they're for. And I shared a favorite quote by Howard Thurman that I never get tired of. So I'm going to quote it again here. Don't ask yourself what the world, world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. So I'd like to use that as a springboard for our conversation this morning. What is it that makes you come alive? Dancing, dancing, and playing tambourine, playing tambourine, and making jewelry, making jewelry. All right, beautiful. Music in all of its forms. Music in all of its forms. Beauty of nature. Beauty of nature. Family and friends. Family and friends. Garden green and growing. Garden green and growing. <laughs> Early morning walks. Early morning walks. Watching the sunrise. Watching the sunrise. Petting a dog. Petting a dog. <laughs> I know there's more than one of you in here for petting a dog. Petting a cat. Petting a cat. Serving others. Serving others. When you're making a difference. Knowing you're making a difference. An awareness of God's deep presence. Awareness of God's deep presence. Meditating. Meditating. Anybody else go for walking barefoot in the dirt? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Walking barefoot anywhere. <laughs> so, if, even if you haven't spoken up, hopefully you've called to mind some things that bring you alive. Now, how much time do you give to doing these things every day? Or every week. Enough? Enough time? Plenty of time? No. <laughs> some yeses, some no's. Yeah. Why? For the ones who say no, why? Busyness. Busyness. Distractions. Distractions. Exhaustion. Exhaustion. Yeah. So if you're not doing these things that bring you to life and part of your purpose in being here 
is to share your gifts, those things that bring you to life with the world. What you're telling me is if you're not spending enough time engaged in those things, you're cheating the world of your gifts. Pow. Wow. Cheating the world of your gifts. Finding those gifts within the life responsibility of life. Yeah. Finding those gifts is a responsibility of life. Within within a responsibility. Right. Also, but that's why I said a responsibility, itself. not yeah. the only, yeah. but yeah. 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 Interesting. So how many? Well, if I yeah, I'm, I'm there's a question I was gonna use here or later, but I'm gonna do it now because that's what's coming up right now. So do you remember back when you were maybe choosing a career or a direction for your life as a younger person? Do you remember anybody saying to you, what do you love to do with your free time? <laughs> you mean that wasn't a, a high school or college counselor question oh, yeah. that came to you? What do you love to do with your free time? Might that have been a guiding question that could have led you to something that you love? You know, I do share that with my kids now. Uh-huh. I do share that. Yeah. As a point of starting point. Right. So what were you asked? Do you remember? I don't know. What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> Still asking that question. <laughs> How are you going to support yourself? How are you going to support yourself? Oh, yeah, there you go. You think you're going to make a living doing music? <laughs> Channeling my mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So huh? my cousin did. They went that route. And now they're, he yeah. sent me a CD and made a there CD you and he said, I'm still making my music even though I'm not in the band. Right. <laughs> Just keep you get, going. You get good grades in this subject, so therefore you should maybe do that. Oh, you yeah. get good grades in this subject. Therefore, you should be a uh, Yeah, you should do that. Those grades are all important, right? And there's good money in that. And there's good money in that, by the way. Yeah. You'll, Support yourself well. Besides, your dad did that. Besides, your dad did that. Your dad always wanted to Or your dad always wanted to do that. I'm going to live my life through you. Uh-huh. So all these things that we were presented with, as we were making some of the biggest decisions that would guide our lives, what do I do? What do I love? And then what do I do with what I love to me should have been the, the path. What do I love? What am I just inherently good at? Brings me into the flow, brings joy into my life, therefore brings joy to other people. What is that for me? I know I would have gone, I would have saved a lot of time. I switched majors six times in college, six times because I knew what I wanted to do as my first career, 
but I was talked out of it over and over and over. And then I had parents who said, I wanted to be a teacher of young children first, my first career. And I had parents who said, those who can't do, teach. Oh my God. Oh, so that's what I was raised with. Like, I really want to teach. I want to be with children. I want to teach children. Oh yeah, well, since you can't figure out what you do actually want to do, maybe you should go teach. Ouch. Ooh. So I kept switching. I thought I was going to be a business major at one point. <laughs> that was funny. That was hilarious. <laughs> anyway. So when we're engaged in activities that fulfill us, we're living a good part of life. We're living with our whole hearts. We're tending our soul. But so many of us, because of the routes we were led on, that we chose to follow at some point ultimately, but without a lot of guidance, led us to places that were dead ends or that just didn't really work out well for us. Led us to kind of a half-hearted place. What's it look like to live a half-hearted life? What's it feel like? What's it look like? Colorless. Colorless. A lot of daydreaming about what could have been. Oh, daydreaming about what could have been. Unworthy. Unworthiness. Mediocrity. Mediocrity. Accepting someone else's idea. Accepting somebody else's idea. Not very exciting. Not very exciting. <laughs> the whole tone in the room went to this kind of not very exciting tone. That's half-hearted. It's a lot of shoulds, right? There's a lot of shoulds in being half-hearted rather than desires, heart's desires. There's a lot of I have to's instead of I choose to. Yeah. Well, when I was faced with that question, I went out and <clears throat> studied people had careers that were joyful and couldn't be any happier to get up in the morning and do what they did. And it come to find out they never went to work. <laughs> yeah, you're never working. No. You love what you're doing. That's it. That's yeah. where you're full. Right. Yep. That's my clue. When I start to feel like I'm getting up and going to work, I'm doing too much, flat doing too much. That's all. Because I, I love what I do. But I do do too much of it sometimes. So that's my, that's what my Tese was about. I was talking to myself this morning and letting all of you hear. <laughs> I thought you wrote it for me. So how often do you hear yourself saying, I have to do this, or I have to do that? I have to go to the grocery store today. I have to put gas in my car. Mm -hmm. I have to get up at six o'clock this morning because I'm going to. Mm -hmm. Anybody else do? I have to. As a habit, the speech pattern. Yeah. So I have to is a really half-hearted way to live. Not only is it half-hearted, but it also puts me in a victim place, automatically sets me into a victim role and releases me from the responsibility of owning my choices. 
in case you didn't already know this, one of my roles is to comfort the afflicted and the other is to afflict the comfortable. So here we go. <laughs> and again, I'm talking to myself and you're giving me the privilege of sharing my self-talk with you. So, And that whole victim role, that's a whole other talk that will probably come another day. So here's an interesting experience. Experiment, not experience experiment that leads to experience. Think of something that you think of yourself as having to do during your week. Something you have to do because it's part of your life and you have to do it. Walk my dog. Okay. Walk your dog. And I don't mean I don't like it, but that's right. something I have, have to do that. Okay. Laundry. You have to do laundry. Dishes. You have to do dishes. Clean toilets. Clean toilets. <laughs> that's a good one. Walk your cat. Walk your cat. <laughs> <laughs> Grocery shopping. Grocery shopping. Going to school. Make dinner. Make dinner. And the other half is exercise. Exercise. Help my husband with the shower. Help my husband with the shower. Uh, my job. <laughs> so, okay, now experiment with whatever you said or whatever's going through your mind, because I know we're all sure there are things we have to do, right? Instead of saying, I have to do whatever, say, I choose to walk choose my dog. To. I choose to help my husband with the shower. I choose to go grocery shopping. I choose to make dinner. I choose to do the laundry. Because you don't really have to. It doesn't matter what it is. You don't really have to. There are always alternatives, aren't there? Yeah. There are alternatives. Say, I get to. It's a privilege. Yeah. It's a privilege. I get to. So I get to do the laundry and not take it down to the stream and beat it against a rock. I get to do the laundry and not stink so that nobody wants to hug me. <laughs> I mean, there are alternatives. <laughs> so you choose to grocery shop because you don't want what? You don't want to starve to death. So the thing, the point is that that owning the things we're doing as choices is empowering. It's more empowering. It puts you in a place of power and takes you out of the victim role. Does it feel different in your body when you say, I choose to or I get to, I'm privileged to, as opposed to I have to? <laughs> oppressive. I open up. You open up. I open up. I choose mm -hmm. to do this. I get to do this. You want to open the open space. Yeah. All of a sudden things start coming to me. Right. So you open up possibility. You open up more experiences. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's a sign of emotional and spiritual maturity to consciously own the choices we make. That was one of those pokes. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> so what I want to say is I so admire each person here 
for the willingness to walk into a place where you know that I'm going to say things like this <laughs> because I'm talking to myself and I need to hear it. And since you're here, I figure you want me to share my thoughts with you. But not everybody is willing to walk into a place knowing that and then to come back week after week after week to be reminded of who you are and how powerful you are and all of the possibilities that are there for you when you step into that empowerment. Not everybody is ready to step into that level of responsibility in their lives. Responsibility, the ability to respond rather than react, rather than to act out of habitual patterns, habit patterns. Okay, I'm gonna shift to another way of tending the soul, pivot. More questions for you. What effect does the experience of beauty have on your life? What I didn't mean. Yeah. What effect does beauty have on your life? It makes me happy when I go out walk my dog, which I love doing. Mm -hmm. I look at the trees blooming or whatever they're doing, and I always go, ah, they're beautiful and they're here for me. All right. So it's very uplifting. Yeah. It makes you happy. Yeah. Anybody else? Very connecting. Connecting with what? The universe. Connected. The universe. I see, I see beyond myself. And okay. I see the world as it is, nature as it is. All right. Seeing nature as it is, seeing the world is bigger than yourself. Freeing. Freeing. Makes me happy to be alive. Happy to be alive. Brings you out of uh, big word being insular. Oh, brings you out of being insular or isolated. In, or isolated. In places like Yosemite or the redwood forest, it also it also evokes awe and and wonder and that. It evokes awe, wonder. So like seeing really beautiful art or something uh -huh. will bring out like curiosity and imagination and creativity. And brings like out curiosity, imagination, creativity. Yeah. And tears. Mm, and tears. Yes. Oh, yeah. Holy water. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'd like to share a short selection again from Secrets of the Lost Mode of Prayer. Oh, I love that. Book. I yeah, love it. It's a pretty yeah. awesome book. Um, because spending time in the presence of beauty is another way of tending the soul. So I'm going to read a couple of pages. I marked them with these little sticky notes. So this is in a chapter that's called Beauty is the Transformer. Beauty may be one of the least understood, yet most powerful of human experiences. Beauty holds different meanings for different people. When people are asked to define it more often than not, the response is based on their personal experience, what it has meant to them in their lives. To a scientist, 
Beauty may come in the form of an elegant solution to a mathematical equation. A photographer, on the other hand, may see beauty in the striking contrast between sunlight and shadows in a composition. Albert Einstein saw beauty as an expression of a greater order in creation. Stating, for example, Mozart's music is so pure and beautiful that I see it as a reflection of the inner beauty of the universe. It is clear that every person's experience of beauty is unique. For this reason, there may be as many definitions for the experience of beauty as there are people who experience it. Regardless of how it's defined in our lives, whether it's viewed as a force, an experience, a quality, a judgment, or a perception, the power of beauty is real. In its presence, we are changed. While it's clear that we may not know precisely what it is, it's equally clear that we may apply what we do know about the power of beauty to heal the suffering, hurt, and fear in our lives. If, as ancient traditions proclaimed, beauty is a force unto itself, it is perhaps the strangest of nature's forces. Unlike gravity and electromagnetism, which seem to exist with or without us, the power of beauty appears to be dormant until we give it our attention. While it may very well have the power to change our world, that power is asleep until it's awakened. And we are the only ones who can awaken it. As the only form of life with the power to experience beauty, as far as we know, it is awakened only when we acknowledge it in our lives. From this perspective, beauty is more than the things that are pleasing to our eyes. It is an experience of heart, mind, and soul. Beauty comes from our willingness to see the perfection in what we often call the imperfections of life. <clears throat> While the betrayal of a confidence, for example, may shock us initially, some of that shock may disappear when we consider that we in turn, turn have betrayed others in different ways at other times. The beauty in this instance is in the balance of such experiences coming back to us sometimes in ways we would least expect. To find the beauty in each experience, perhaps our role is less about creating it and more about recognizing that it's already here. Beauty is always present in all things. It may be found even in places where we believe that beauty could never exist. In the moments that we reach into the depths of our souls for the power to give new meaning to things that hurt us the most, we discover the great wisdom shared by ancient masters. That wisdom simply reminds us that the power to see beauty is a choice. The choice before us in each moment of every day is to consider only what we're shown in the moment on its own merits without comparing one experience to another. This is how we plant the seeds in our awareness that become the attractors inviting greater beauty into our lives. It is only when we compare our actual experience to an idea of what we believe beauty should look like that we're capable of seeing anything other than the beauty of the moment. In the Navajo tradition, we're reminded of this principle in the simple phrase, 
the beauty upon which you base your life. We each create our own standard by which we measure the beauty in our lives. What is your yardstick for beauty? What is your yardstick for you? What makes something beautiful in your eyes, in your view? That's a question. That's a question. Sorry. <laughs> you don't have to do it. When I can walk into a space and know that God is here. Okay. Walking into a space knowing God is here. Mark? Well, the word that came to mind first is balance. Balance. Order. Order. When I guess I may not be expecting that in life. And, right. and that's there. And uh, and I guess presence. Okay. Because that's really a... Uh, Unusual, it's not an expectation that there be order balance, okay. real meaning, but uh, when that comes through and I see it that way, mm -hmm. it's um, very beautiful. Beautiful, right? Order harmony, harmony. Something I've been challenged a little bit lately, it's I want to say effort, effort, it's interesting, right? Effort. Uh huh. But with the AI being what it is now, and Pretty beautiful pictures coming out of it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard for me to recognize that it's valuable still, though. It might be pretty, but I don't know that I see it as beauty. Uh huh. So it's just something I've been working with. Okay. Well, yeah. I would say unexpected contrast is often beautiful. Unexpected contrast. <laughs> I know that I'm in the presence of beauty because I feel soft and open. Okay, so feeling soft and open points toward the presence of beauty. I would think reconciliation. Reconciliation. Or whether it's a reconciliation that someone you've been estranged from, mm -hmm. or reconciliation with aspects of yourself you've been estranged from. So I like that. To me, that's a beautiful kind of thing that happens. Reconciliation is a form of beauty. I'd say to the to the degree that it changes my interior state into a more positive okay. feeling or positive beingness. Um, that's more beauty. The more I move, the more beauty it is. Okay. The more beautiful it is. Grace. Grace. So sometimes when you say someone you think is gracious and that makes me recognize that as far as a form of beauty. Usually when I come in contact with something that's beautiful, it brings me to tears and uh -huh. unexpected. Okay. And like others had said, it's usually unexpected. It's not something I'm like looking for or expecting. It's just I'll see it or experience it. And it brings me to, like you said, holy water, tears. Yeah. And it's in my soul, I can feel something deeper and a connection and i like others have said that feeling that connection to source and knowing like 
like for me, there's certain animals I see that represent maybe an ancestor or a loved one or something. And it's like a sign to me and that'll bring me to tears. And it's so beautiful that moment of feeling connected again. And like, oh, there you are. I'm not alone. You're always with me. Right. Things like that. Beautiful. What's that? The beauty spawns from the difference between me and the beauty that I see. Like when you see this really beautiful painting, I just go like, oh wow, that could be real. Like that's so awesome. It's so much more different than what I expect. Uh-huh. Okay. Something that's different than what you expect and catches your attention. I got a Cheryl and then a Bob and then a Kimberly. Inner peace, you feel that moving. There, you see that invisible beauty. You receive the inner peace you feel. Okay, so the inner peace <laughs> brings a sense of beauty. Bob, uh, never-ending beauty like ocean waves. Oh, you know they've been there doing the thing for millions of years and they'll be doing it for millions more years and it's just keeps you know and never ending so the never ending nature of things in nature especially yeah. then it's gonna be two and when she's sleeping mm -hmm. and I look down at her sweet little face that brings me so much joy to know that my ancestry is is part of that mm -hmm. and her innocence and her beauty just being is it just it's an experience that i think is the best one i've ever experienced beautiful anything else that you want to give voice to about your personal yardstick for beauty how do you measure it? How do you experience it? I'd piggyback off what she just said and saying when you're a mother, mm -hmm. you know, that first year when you would just sit there and watch them just sleep. And I could do it for hours. The dad would come and be like, What are you doing? Like, you gotta sleep. I do nothing but sleeping. Right. But you're just so in love. Yeah. And you're just so just obsessed with that. Oh, I get to one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had, and I get to do it three times. That's amazing. Yeah, it evokes love. She's oh, love. Yeah, yeah. Well, those are all qualities of spirit, right? Beauty is a quality of spirit, love, peace, harmony, balance. Such all of these things are, huh? Touch. The touch, touch, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I got to, I got to catch my three babies when they were born. We had home births, and it was beautiful. It wasn't pretty. It's messy, right? <laughs> but it was beautiful, and so, so there's a distinction there. Mm -hmm. Beauty has a transcendent quality, sure. That it's like an energy that just fills you. Yeah. So thinking about all of this around beauty, and then going back to something that Greg Braden said, which is seeing beauty as a choice. We're talking about the unexpected. We're talking about the miraculous, the things that take us, take our breath away, that 
But what a, this idea about seeing beauty being a choice. Mm. Like it doesn't have to be unexpected. It can be. But what if we decided every morning to see beauty everywhere we went, no matter what was happening? That would be a different way to live for some of us, for most of us, I mean. I've been working with that to be good. I'll work on you. <laughs> Just let it be good. Everything's good. It's a step in the right direction. I'll work on you. <laughs> uh, I like how he pointed out the beauty and the balance of I feel so betrayed. And then taking that back to where have I betrayed another? Oh, look at the perfect, beautiful balance in that. Different form of beauty than we've been talking about. Something to contemplate this week. And when I was reading that, I was thinking of the there's beauty in a storm that's mm -hmm. raging. It caused tremendous destruction, but the, the power and the, the symmetry of it and all that is is really beautiful. You know, but yeah. it, it can cause some ugly damage. It can. <laughs> yeah. So. Beauty is as beauty does. Oh boy. Uh oh. <laughs> so this week I invite you to invite beauty in to your thoughts, your words, to your actions, whatever beauty means to you. Invite beauty into your week this week. When you find yourself maybe going off in a direction that isn't so constructive. How can you either see the beauty in it or shift it to something more beautiful? Yeah. Notice beauty wherever you go. On the freeway, in the traffic at Winco. <laughs> Everywhere you go, look for beauty in the smiles of people. Beauty in the smiles of people. Clean the dishes. Clean the dishes. Clean dishes are so beautiful. <laughs> the bubbles are bubbly the and bubbles. nice and warm. I mean, I enjoy doing dishes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So remember this week that beauty is a quality of spirit. It's always present within you and within everything around you. It's inherently in everything. And your job, should you choose to accept it, is to find it. It's going to be a beauty detective. I think I'm going to use that spot. Close our time together in conversation with prayer. Love, light, light, beauty, peace, joy, freedom, all qualities, some of the inherent qualities of spirit, of the one source. Right here and right now, I acknowledge and accept these divine qualities as part of my human expression. 
I called them forth to shine light into every area of my life. In every moment, I remember who I am and why I'm here. To offer my gifts to the world. To play my part in the dance of life with authenticity and integrity. As I move into this week, I ask for guidance. What is mine to do? What is my greatest contribution to make in any given moment? I listen. I receive. And I act accordingly. I come into greater and greater alignment with the truth of who I came here to be. And by walking through the world in this way, I am tending the soul of humanity. The deep sense of peace. I'm so grateful for my life. I'm thankful for the many blessings of this and every day. Filled with appreciation. Knowing the power of this prayer, I choose now to release it, trusting that it's done its work, that it opens and creates a beauty-filled week ahead. So I just let it go. I let it be. So it is. Thank you much more. So I think I'm going to go right to the offertory. But welcome back if you were closing your eyes and pray. Each Sunday, we invite you to join in the celebration of, of the work that we do. Um, doing a lot of reaching out in different ways in the community right now. So if you should choose to support our mission and our vision, and if you're at home online, you can go to mysticheart.org and find the donate button. You can find our mailing address. And as we move into this time of giving, we have a short affirmation that we speak together to speak it into form, into power. And please know that these words are meaningful. Come straight from the heart. As I awaken the God within me and all of you, be abundance in every perfection. Consciously step into that level of abundance by this act of giving. I offer this gift freely, spirit of love, blessing and sending it forth to the heal of the cross. It's evidence of my deep faith. It does good work in the world. Bless us all for creation. It's my consciousness of abundance. And so it is. And I invite Dalton back to share some music during our office. 
Thank you so much for being my band earlier. Now I'm going to be uh, the entire band. I've, I've played a few instruments and sung a few parts and stuff, and that's what you'll hear as I sing along for you this morning. I'll lead you to live his dreams. Prayers are heard, he feels no thunder. When he falls, he safely lands. Guided by invisible hands. Mother cries, she hides her tears. Said the Lord provides, but she can't help wonder. Give a child what it was hard to bear. Oh, in the temple hands. Lost in the darkness, they are lifted by love. Whisper at somebody here. And if we dare to make that leap of faith, Somehow the bridge appears. Silent storm knocks me down. And the time and tide they pull me under. I stand again on these shifting sands. Held by invincible hands. Oh, invincible hands. Oh, invincible hands. Oh, Lost in the darkness, we are in my love, whispering somebody. And if we dare to make that little faith, somehow the bridge of Prayers are heard, he feels the thunder. When he falls, he sinks in the Guided by invisible hands. Oh, 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 Uh, so we give thanks for these gifts. Give thanks for the gifts of treasure, but as well as for the time and talent, the volunteer work that people bring, the love and the prayers that we share with one another. All of it is definitely a gift from heaven. So I say thank you to each one here. Thank you to Spirit. And so it is. Stand, we are changing. The 
Sunday, Jane, join us for a salad bar lunch if you'd like, and please feel free to take the rest of the garden plants home with you.